All right, everybody. Hey, welcome to New Life. How many guys are excited to be at church today? Come on, let me hear you. Are you? High five the person next to you and just go, I'm excited to be at New Life today. Come on, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Some of you are like, do we have to do that? We're at church. Yeah, because church should be the most lively, most place. It's a place that should be the fullest of joy. It should be the place where you, you, you experience the power of God. It should be the place where we have some of our greatest relationships. Yeah, that's what the body of Christ ought to be. So I want to say a big hello to the rest of our body who is worshiping with us right now in North Platte and in Ogallala. Come on, give it up for them, guys. Come on. Yeah, yeah, I love it, man. I love one church, multiple locations. It's exciting. Some of you guys are even watching us online right now, you know, in your house shoes and your robe. Come join us. We've got really good donuts and coffee at all of our campuses, by the way. And if you want the best donuts, hands down, it's in Ogallala. I'm just saying right now. All right? They have the best donuts. Don't ask me where they come from or what they're made out of. I have no idea. But I've been craving one every day. So somewhat addictive behavior, I think, is built into those donuts. Um, but nevertheless, hey, guys, I was out there last week. God's doing exciting things in Ogallala. He is doing exciting things. There was 100, listen to this, there was 145 people worshiping in Ogallala last week. Don't clap yet, right? That's super exciting. But 125 of those people were actually people from Ogallala or the surrounding area. I'm just looking right now at everybody in Ogallala. I want you to know I'm proud of you. Keep inviting your friends. Keep introducing people to Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people out in that part of our state that don't know Jesus. God's going to use New Life Church to reach them, just like he's doing in North Platte right now and just like he's doing in Kearney. So I'm excited about what God's doing here, all right? God's doing great stuff at New Life Church at all three of our campuses. I can't be more excited as a pastor. So I'm super proud of you guys. Thank you guys for being people that love Jesus and for being people that are transferring that even to others. It's a great thing. Hey, we're in our current teaching series, Who's On First? Who's here on week one of Who's On First? Yeah. Did you like that little intro video? That was a lot of fun, you know? And I, I haven't played it again, and we're not going to play it today. Um, although we do give free Wi-Fi at, uh, at all of our campuses, and so you can actually view it right now if you have a Bluetooth uh, earbud. But who's on, who's on first, right? And we're kind of like, we're looking at this, like, who's on first issue from a number of different perspectives. Uh, who's on first is dealing with this concept in our lives that when you break up your life into all of its different quadrants and you look at your life holistically, really, who is on first? Is Jesus really first in your life? And then as we deal with all the things we have to deal with in this world, are we keeping the main thing the main thing? is what's most important, maintaining first place in our life. And so week one I talked about out of the book of Revelation, the passage of scripture that dealt with, hey, don't, don't, don't forget, I think you've lost your first love. Come back to your first love. Now, if you weren't here for week one, I'm going to highly encourage you, go back and watch week one. I believe it was an inspired word from God for our church. It's an inspired word of God for the day in which we live. It's the kind of word that's timeless. Go back and listen to it. It's the kind of thing that will inspire you. It will challenge you. It will encourage you to get back to the first love, Jesus, and not just play church. Like, listen, I'm just going to be brutally honest with you. I don't want an auditorium full of people. I want an auditorium full of people that are trying to put Christ first in their life. 
And that's what New Life Church, I think, is all about. It's not to diminish the value of others. It's just to keep calling us to this higher level of living, which is a life being lived all out for Jesus Christ. Becoming the best version of yourself that Jesus created you to be. And to do that, you have to let Christ stay first in your life. Well, week two, Pastor Nate was here, and he was speaking both here and in North Platte while I was out in Ogallala, and Pastor Nate did a fantastic job. I went back and I listened to that in dealing with this issue of surrender versus control. And how those two things, us wanting to be in control where Christ has called us to surrender. When we surrender, it's putting Christ first in our life. When we're in control, we take first place. So if you are here last week, I just want to say, Pastor Nate, I think you did a great job. Thank you so much for delivering God's word. This week, we're going to talk about the important versus the urgent. Have you ever had that concept in your mind where it's the tyranny of the urgent that's robbing you from the important? I think you have. I think you have. And to get into it today, what I want to do is I want to start out with an old classic show, right? How many of you guys remember uh, The Twilight Zone? Come on, put your hand up if you remember The Twilight Zone. All right, good, good. Because if you don't remember The Twilight Zone, this is the way every episode started right here. Yeah. Just let it sink in for a minute. It's only 28 seconds long. You're traveling through another dimension. Right. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. Right. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Wow, and then after that, this black and white TV show would start. If you remember that, okay? And it would take you way back. And they would go to all these weird places. Here's, here's a Twilight Zone episode that every single one of us has lived. We've all desired to have a day that had more than 24 hours in it. If you desire to have a day that had more than 24 hours in it, just put your hand up with mine. That's a twilight zone day. Because that day doesn't really exist. It might exist in a dimension someplace else, but it doesn't exist on this earth. We've all wanted the day that has 30 plus hours in it because we've all said, I can't get everything done today. I've got too much going on. How am I supposed to get all of this done? That day doesn't exist. You want to know the reason why I believe that we have asked for those twilight zone days that have 30 plus hours in them? It's because we're, we're caught chasing the urgent and then the important never gets done. It's the urgent that will take you on a rat race that will cause each and every one of us to never have enough time in the day to accomplish what we think is the most important things to accomplish that are referred to as the urgent. Now, there's been a lot of studies done on this issue. And they say that basically our lives are broken into four basic quadrants. I want you to check out these four quadrants really quick. Uh, they say that, 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 look, here in quadrant one is the things that are both urgent and important. And there's moments in our lives, that is, in fact, depending on your job and depending on what you do, there are moments in our lives where we get caught up in this quadrant of the urgent, which is also the important, which could be a crisis. It's a crisis. It happened. you got to deal with it. you got to get on it right now. Okay? It could be last-minute demands. It could be tasks that are from this quadrant uh, that were postponed. Right? So uh, you, you didn't do what you were supposed to do in a timely manner, and it ended up moving over here to an unhealthy place where it's the urgent that's important. 
look, we only have a short fuse in our lives to live in quadrant one. You can only live there for so long. None of us were designed to always live with this heavy weight on our shoulders with all of the crisis and all of the things happening at the very last minute. Like some of you, you enjoy that, you get your thrill off of that, but you're not meant to live there. Where we're meant to live is over here in quadrant two, where these are things that are not urgent, but they are very important. Strategic planning, working towards goals, taking care of you, building healthy relationships, and actually even recreation for you. You see how much is taking care of you and planning and preparing and being ahead of the game? This is the quadrant we need to spend the most time in, but it's the one that we try to avoid the most. Who wants to sit down and plan for the future? Doesn't sound very exciting, but I'll tell you what, if you're a leader and you plan for the future, I guarantee you, you feel, you feel the weight kind of lift off and you breathe a lot better that day once you've thought through that next quarter or you thought through that next week or even if you just sat down and you thought through what it's going to take to accomplish this, this day. So when we're here, we're taking care of ourselves. we're taking care of the holistic person, you know, mind, body, soul, spirit. When we're taking care of ourselves, it's like God's going, good, that's what I want to use for you because I want you to be the healthiest you can be because you're going to end up in moments in quadrant one and I want you to be super healthy so you can survive that moment, but this is where I want you to live. Here's what happens though. A lot of times we end up in quadrant three or quadrant four. Let's talk about quadrant three really quick. It's the urgent but it's not important. This is what I'm talking about today, where you get caught in these things that seem like they're important and you justify them as important, but they're really just the urgent. They're interruptions, they're phone calls and emails. How many people know emails are not from the Lord, okay? <laughs> how, many, how many guys spend most of your day on emails just deleting the junk that gets sent to you? Yeah, how many guys don't even check your email? That's what I thought. Okay, all right. Email. Some, some young, like millennials are here going, email, what's, what's email? I don't even know what email is. Snapchat me or something like that. Um, we're looking at reports or yeah, meetings or other people's minor demands or just busy work. We get caught up in these things and we justify them as, I've got to deal with this right now. It is the most important thing. And you get to the end of the day and you never really conquer the important stuff. You just got caught up in the urgent, here's the really sad thing. Here's where, we, here's where we end up spending a lot of our day, the not urgent and the not important. Now this is gonna be a bummer for some of you because last week, three-fourths of your week was spent here, web browsing, just looking at your social media, binge-watching Netflix. Come on. Did we have to put that one up there? It didn't say anything about Amazon, so you're all good there, okay? Or Hulu. Okay, so we're all good there. Just not Netflix, evidently. Or any activity you use to procrastinate. If we're brutally honest, and we were to break down our average day, a lot of our day is going to be spent here. And when you spend the majority of your day here versus here, I mean, just look at the two differences. One is about health. One is strategic. One is actually, we've got goals, we're working towards them. We're not just dealing with the interruptions. We're not just tackling the crisis. Those things will come, but we're focused on what's most important. When we spend most of our time in one, three, and four, it's no wonder that we're stressed out. 
It's no wonder that we're burnt out. It's no wonder that we lack vision. It's no wonder that we make poor decisions. It's no wonder that we're just emotionally spent. Because guys, you're not, you're not designed to live in these zones. God has asked us to figure out how to follow him and live here. And today I'm not just talking about your work, although this is very important stuff and we could go much deeper just dealing with your work and then, you know, dissecting and analyzing and sitting down and talking about, you know, the method and the the rhythm of your work environment and how it drives you to quadrant one versus quadrant two. We could look at all of that and we could do some personal coaching and you know we could help maybe make some adjustments in your schedule and bring some accountability to your life that would help you live in quadrant two. But we're not just talking about work today. We're, in fact, we're talking about something much bigger than this. We're talking about how when we live our life chasing the urgent versus living for the important, how it affects our faith with God And then when our faith is is affected, then how it affects our impact that we can make for the kingdom of God. This whole tyranny of the urgent, when we boil it all down, it gets to the very core of who we are. And it starts eroding our faith when we chase the urgent versus the important. And it causes us to lose our impact for the cause of Jesus Christ. We're not the only ones that face this, though. We're not just facing the urgent or the tyranny of the urgent because of the world we live in, Jesus even faced this issue of having to try to discern the important from the urgent. And what I want to do is I want to look at the life of Jesus Christ, and I want to look at three little, little moments, encounters that Jesus had, where he had to navigate his way through the urgent and the important, and through looking at Scripture and how Jesus had to deal with this very issue that you and me have to deal with, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to show you and me some little nuggets of truth, some application that we can walk away with today that will help us navigate our way out of quadrants one, three, and four and get in spiritually to quadrant two where our faith with God is increasing, where we're focused on the important and we're not just chasing the urgent and justifying our life away. So how did Jesus really deal with this? In the three short years of ministry that he had and the huge demand that was on him to be the savior of the world to live out the most important mission that any human has ever lived out. Jesus, fully man, but yet fully God, don't forget that, lives out the most important mission on planet Earth ever and only has three years to do it. How does he not just get caught up in chasing the urgent when he only got three years to live out the most important mission that's ever been lived out on Earth? Let's look at his life. Let's take a look at a couple examples. Let's go first to John chapter 5. Look at this one. Here's Jesus, right? He shows up at this pool, this kind of like spring that's in Jerusalem called the Pool of Bethesda, right? It's one of the few miracles that Jesus actually does in Jerusalem. And he shows up to this pool where sick people gather. Take a look. It says crowds of sick people. There could be 20. Crowd could be 20, 50, 100 people, or even more. I've been to this area. There's room for hundreds of people to have gathered around this pool, Hundreds of people, not just 10 or 20, hundreds of people could have gathered around this pool. Said crowds of sick people. So a hundred sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, they lay at the porches, right? One of the men lying there had been sick for how many years? 38 years. When Jesus saw him, he knew that he had been ill for a long time, and he asked him, would you like to get well? It's a great question, by the way, right? I can't, sir. Here's what the sick man said. 
for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. See, the people believed that when the water bubbled, when new water came into this you know, kind of spring-fed pool, and the water kind of moved, they believed that an angel was stirring it, and the first one into the water would receive a healing. This man had been sick for 38 years. He had been brought to this pool, but he has no way to get himself from where he's sitting into the water. And if he falls into the water and there isn't a healing, he has no way to get back out. That's probably even more important, by the way. So here he is, and he's there, and I got nobody to put me into the bubbling water. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed, and he rolled up his sleeping mat, and he began walking. It's a powerful story. But here's kind of what goes through my mind when we deal with the urgent versus the important. How many people were there that were sick? Crowds. You put your own number on it. But Jesus only goes to one. And he only heals one. In the midst of everything that's going on, he only heals one. How in the world did Jesus only spend three years of ministry on this earth, public ministry? There were sick people everywhere. Jesus could have spent his entire ministry just healing the sick. His entire ministry could have been focused on just the urgent needs that were in front of him. How did Jesus navigate through this world where he walks to this pool where hundreds of sick people are at and he only heals one. How does Jesus stay focused on the important and not just get caught up in the urgent? Let's look at another story. Another encounter that Jesus had in Mark chapter 1. It says, after Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. This is on the Sea of Galilee. little community just off the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful place. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever, and they told Jesus about her right away. So he went, to her, he went to her bedside, he took her by the hand, and he helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. That evening, after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he even cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Before daybreak, so that was night, they sleep. Before the sun comes up, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others, they went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you, Jesus. But Jesus replied, guys, we got to go on to other towns as well, um, and I'll preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. First off, just right off the bat, before we even get into this, bonus material here. The demons knew who Jesus was. Guys, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you're searching after whether Jesus is the Son of the living God, I'm here to tell you today that if the demons recognize him and they know him, how in the world did they recognize and they know him? They knew him because he is the son of God. He's the, he's the God who created the entire universe. He's the God who created you. He's the God in charge of everything. Everything to the point where he doesn't even let the demons speak because the demons would have told everybody who he was and he was like, I'm not ready for that just yet. But they knew who he was. And if they know who he is, 
that I'm telling you today, if you get to know him, he'll change your life. He'll do great things in your life. Now, back to the urgent and the important from the message. Here's what's interesting. The disciples, the disciples noticed the urgent. They said this to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, everybody's here in the morning. This is awesome. We've never seen this many people come to the synagogue for worship on a Sunday, but they're here at the house because they've heard about how you healed people and how you cast out demons and everything you did last night, Jesus. It was awesome. You got to get back there. We've got some big plans for you, Jesus. In fact, we've already talked amongst ourselves. We've got a little bit of money. We think that we're going to take that money. We're going to go to the bank. We're going to tell them this is a security. Can we borrow some more money? Because it's time to build a new church on the Sea of Galilee. It's going to be amazing, Jesus. Everybody wants to hear from you. And Jesus says to them, I don't get caught up in the urgent. I'm going to stay focused on what's important. I have a mission from the Father. That's what's important. How am I going to follow that out? We're going to go to other towns, and we're going to preach the gospel there too. Basically, the disciples, if if you, let's put it this way. If it would have been you and me there, and we were the ones in charge, and Jesus wasn't in charge, here's what we would have done. In that little town, Caesarea, we would have set up a church, we would have planted it, it would have been awesome, we would have built that church, it would have tons of people, hundreds and hundreds of people coming, and then we would have all sat down, we would have gone, hey, we got a great idea, let's go plant another campus. And that's what we would go do, because that's the way we would have seen it. But it wasn't the mission that God was calling his son to, and his son was staying focused on the mission of the important and not getting caught up in the urgent. So again, I ask you today, how in the world did Jesus avoid the urgent and remain focused on the important? How did he do it? Because whatever he did is exactly what you and me need to do on Monday, starting tomorrow morning. Some of you need to do it today. I guarantee you, somebody's here today that said, I don't have time to go to church today. I got too many things going on. But you're here right now. And right now, the urgent is chasing you. It's chasing you right now. So how did Jesus do it? I want you to look at one more example. In John chapter 11, Jesus Jesus is found in this place where his friend Lazarus has been very, very sick. And Lazarus' two sisters, Mary and Martha, are saying, Look, we got to go find Jesus. We, we have to go get him. We, we have to, you know, draw, draw Jesus back here so that he can heal his friend, Lazarus. And the messenger finds Jesus, and this is what they say to him in John chapter 11. Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said this, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, look what he did. He stayed where he was for how many days? Seriously? Guys, can we just be open and honest for a second? Some of you have been in the hospital and you've notified us and we didn't get up there soon enough and you got ticked at us. Jesus has his friend who is sick, very sick, and probably going to die. And what does Jesus do? I'm going to stick around here where I'm at for the next couple of days. That's what I'm going to do. I just want you to to notice with me. Jesus goes, he's not going to die. But here's what the truth is about the story. Lazarus actually physically dies. 
Then when Jesus shows up, he prays for him, right? He calls him out of the grave. Lazarus comes walking out of the grave, <clears throat> and boom, Lazarus is alive again. And it's a powerful story. But I want you to notice how Jesus doesn't get caught up in responding to the urgent. The urgent would have been this. Hey, this messenger's like, your friend's going to die. you got to get here now. And Jesus is like, no, no, I don't have to get there now. And let me tell you the reason why I don't have to get there now. He goes, look, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Jesus somehow was in tune with the Father in such a way that he doesn't just drop what he's doing to chase after the urgent to go and, you know, be with his friend and to pray with his friend before he dies because that's the way man was thinking. Man was thinking if Jesus gets here before he dies, then Lazarus can be healed. But since Jesus didn't get there before he died, they had lost hope. They had put him in the grave already. They had already wrapped him in grave clothes. They had already closed up the tomb. They didn't think there was any hope now at all. In fact, Jesus shows up and they're basically weeping and crying like, I can't believe you didn't show up before he died. Jesus knew there was a moment that I needed to stand before a tomb with my friend in it and I was going to speak to him and tell him to rise and to walk and that was the important. That's where Jesus was at. So see guys, meeting the immediate need would have been reacting to the urgent but by following the plan that God gave Jesus, he remained focused on the important. So again, I ask you, how did Jesus discern the urgent from the important? And to answer it, we're going to go back to one of the passages that we read. Let's go back to Mark. We're going to take one verse out. Remember, Jesus had healed so many people, demons had been cast out. So what did Jesus do the next morning? Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. What was happening in that place of prayer? In that place of prayer, he was getting the marching orders from the Father, and the Father was telling him, this is what's important. Stay focused on the important, son. That's the secret to living the important and not getting caught up in the urgent is to stay focused on the Father and spending that quality time with Him on a regular daily basis. It's not rocket science. When you feel all stressed out and you feel all worried and you feel like you don't have enough hours in the day to get it all accomplished, I want to ask you, have you thought about spending an hour in prayer or 30 minutes in prayer or even 15 minutes in prayer? You did, but then you quickly said this, I don't have time for that. I'll get back to that. The very thing that we don't have time for is the very thing we need if we're not going to chase the urgent and stay focused on the important. Guys, let me just say this to you. If you tithe, you give God a 10%, God works a miracle with the 90%. If he does that in your finances, he'll do that with your time. And if we tithe to the Lord a time where we seek him, he will turn around and he'll let the rest of your time be used in a way that's far beyond anything you could ever imagine. See, guys, look, I'm just like you. Each week I face the urgent. Each week my door is bombarded and my phone rings and my email blows up and something's going on over here and something's going on over there. And each week I have to face the urgent. I have to fight through the urgent to stay focused on the mission of the important, which is honoring God and staying focused on, on God's mission for my personal life. I have to fight through those things. And the urgent is constantly battling against me it's constantly battling against my spiritual leadership that you deserve, by the way. It's constantly battling against me, and I've failed many times. 
Unfortunately, there's been entire weeks where I've focused so much on the urgent that I can't even remember when I spent time in prayer that week. Does that sound familiar? There's been moments when the urgent has, has captured my attention so much that it's actually changed my, my attitude. It changed the way that I'm trying to lead people. And I became more abrasive than I became loving. Because I got focused on the urgent. There's been many moments when I got caught up in the urgent and I've missed being the spiritual leader that's focused on the spiritual pulse of this church and caring for you as a spiritual leader because I got caught up in the urgent justifying my actions as, well, the buck stops with me and I got to deal with it. And can I just even go farther and admit that when you live in the urgent long enough, you kind of get addicted to the crisis of the urgent. And you kind of start to get your thrill off of solving the problems of the crisis versus finding your identity in living in the important, the mission that God gave you. You find your identity and people will applaud you for the way that you deal with the urgent and the amount of weight that you can carry and the amount of responsibilities that you can tackle and the amount of hats that you can wear. Our world is a sadistic world that feeds the urgent and can care less about the important. We're all caught up in this same race. We're all caught up in this same battle. We all have the same enemy who wants to keep you wrapped up in the urgent and not focused on the important. He wants to keep you away from the prayer and the seeking of the Lord in the morning so that you can walk out your day focused on God's mission instead of just the urgent. We all have the same enemy trying to do the same thing. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is calling us back to the important where we don't miss out on building healthy relationships with each other and God. That's the important for you. Where we don't miss remaining in God's word and prayer. That's the important for you. We don't lose. We don't lose the love that we have for one another. That's the important for you. Where we don't miss out on hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit for our everyday decisions. That's the important for you. Guys, we need to follow the example of Jesus. No one had a more important mission than Jesus did. And because he had the most important mission ever on planet Earth, here's where you find him. In the morning, you find him seeking the heart of his Father, hearing the voice of his Father, communing with him on a regular basis. At a moment when the crisis hits him, hey, your buddy Lazarus is dying. And in that quick second, he seeks the Lord and he goes, what should I do? And the Lord says, don't go now, wait two days. Guys, we need to be seeking the Lord on a regular basis so that we know what to do for the day, we know what to do for the week, and we know what to do when the urgent comes. That's what God's called us to. He's called us to live that kind of lifestyle. In fact, Jesus even has a promise for you today. He has a promise for you. This is his promise for you. It's found in John chapter 8. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, here's the promise. If you, put your name in there, by the way. If you, Jeff, you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And then if you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will what? In today's context, it's going to set you free from what? going to set you free from chasing the urgent. 
staying focused on the important. So what was the secret? What was the promise? If you abide, if you remain where? In my word. You know one of the beauties of that concept? We remain in my word. He's not just talking about the printed Bible. He's talking about remaining in Christ. Christ is the word. He's the living gospel. When we remain in him, through consuming his word, true, but also by remaining in him in prayer. When we do that, we can be set free from the urgent, the tyranny of the urgent, and we can be free to see clearly again the importance of the mission of why God put you on this earth so that you can accomplish it tomorrow when you go to work or when you're raising your kids. So that you can accomplish it, mom, when you're taking your kids to school. So you can accomplish it, mom, when you walk into that business place as a vice president and you gotta make key decisions. Or dad, when you gotta make all your decisions that you gotta make tomorrow. If we remain in him, He'll keep us from the urgent so we can pursue the important. To wrap up today, historically, biblically, the wisest man to ever walk on planet Earth, a man by the name of Solomon, a king. He wrote a couple books of the Bible inspired by the Holy Spirit, and one of those was the Song of Songs. And in this book, he's communicating this relationship and this passion that Christ has for us and that we should have with him. And in communicating this, he quotes these words, heard from the Holy Spirit. He's defining this picture of this relationship, and he says, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. He's drawing this picture of you and your relationship with God. And he's going, look, it's blossoming. It's alive. Great things are happening, except for there's a problem. There's a bunch of little foxes. There's a bunch of these little urgent things that are zapping your time. These little foxes are ruining the vineyard. They're ruining your relationship with God. They're attacking your faith with God, the problem we started with at the beginning. So what do we have to do to preserve the relationship with God We've got to reject the little foxes. We've got to say no to the urgent, and we have to say yes to the important, which is what? The word. Today, we have one mission, and that mission is this, to come before our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. I said, Jesus, you, you knew what it was like to deal with the urgent and the important. Today, I see it very clearly. And today, there's a bunch of little foxes that have been eroding away my relationship with you and I've been focused on these things and justifiably you know just trying to define them to the world around me and say it's important enough that I should do it but they're really urgent and they're not the important mission that you called me to I repent of those and Lord I repent of not spending time with you in your word so that you can be speaking to me giving me the direction to chase the important on a daily basis and a situational basis and church I'm just asking you today who is on first, the urgent or the important? Who's on first today? Let's get back to letting Jesus be on first, where we chase after his most important mission for our lives, loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving our neighbor as ourself. What would it look like this week if this week you focused on not chasing the urgent, but you, you sought after this week to chase the important? How would it change your life this way today? Let's, I'm asking you to put Christ back first. And let's chase after the important. Let's chase after him. Not just today, but starting tomorrow morning 
Let's spend a few moments tomorrow morning before we ever kick off our day chasing after him. And watch how he causes you to live out the day chasing the important and rejecting the urgent. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, as we come to you today, we come humbly. We recognize that you lived an example for us that maybe we have really overlooked many times. We like to make excuses of a world that we live in that is, <clears throat> it's fast-paced. We can't get away from work. It's like, it's on our cell phone. It emails, they buzz at 8 p.m. and messages go off at 10 p.m. and we feel the, the need, the urgency to, you know, be ready and capable to do things at every single moment and dealing with the urgent. It's consuming us. It's consuming our love for you. It's consuming our passion for you. It's even consuming our mission for you. But Lord, what an example where Jesus lived a public ministry for three years. And by avoiding the urgent and staying focused on the important, he was able to say on the cross, it is finished. He did everything that you asked for him to do. He did it all in three short years just by staying focused on the important. Lord, would you empower this congregation to sense the conviction of your Holy Spirit that as we seek you and we put you first, we seek the word that you will set us free from the tyranny of the urgent. You would help us to focus on the importance of loving others, building healthy relationships, staying on mission, honoring you with our heart and soul and mind, living our lives for you, being all in for you. But I just pray that this congregation would experience the power of Christ today. That would Allow us to repent to you, God, and confess that we do, we get addicted to chasing the urgent, but you've got a mission for us that's so much greater. We want to fulfill that mission. And so everybody that wants to fulfill the mission that Christ has for their life finishes this prayer by saying, amen. Amen.